I want to talk to you for just a second about starting August 1st. Everybody say August 1st. We start 14 days of prayer and sacrifice. That means you're going to start before next Sunday. Next Sunday is August the 4th. So on August the 1st, we're starting 14 days, the 1st through the 14th, of prayer and sacrifice. You say, Pastor, what's that mean? Just exactly what it sounds like. I want you to pray, and I want you to sacrifice something. If, if, if you have a tendency to be on Facebook more than you ought to be, then sacrifice that for 14 days. Or maybe you're just going to give it up. Maybe you're not on it a lot, but you're just going to give that up for your focus. If you tend to watch as the world turns or one life to live, I don't even know if those are even still on television. Or I'll never forget, I, was, I, I came in, I, 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 was a teen, I was about 18 years old, and I came into the house, and I heard my mom and brother talking about some poor lady that was laid up in the hospital dying, and her husband had run off and left her and all this. And I said, who did that? And they looked at me and told me their name. I said, well, who is that? They said, oh, they're on General Hospital. I just turned around and walked out the door, man. I thought... Focus. Everybody say focus. We're, we're getting ready to start back into a new school year. I want us giving our young people prayer covering. I want us to sacrifice some things. Turn the television off and read for a while. And sacrifice and get your heart in focus and be praying. We're focusing on three things. We're focusing on prayers for our family. We're focusing on prayers for our nation, prayers for the young people for the, this school year. We're believing God to use them in a great way. How many of you believe that God can do that? Man, if you would have been, if we just came back, we just got in last night from motion. Now, I know why they call it motion, because when you get, we had over 17,000 young people in one room. Over 17,000 young people worshiping God, and they set that whole building in motion. Don't ever come to me and say, Pastor, the music's too loud here. I don't even want to hear it, man. I'm, I, I, was on, I, I was in that building. It was, I, I'm telling you, it was, it was moving. But let me share this with you. I'd rather be in an environment with 17,000 young people that are shouting at the top of their lungs, worshiping God, than to end up in a rock concert where they're headbanging and taking drugs. You, everybody ought to be proud of the young people. They did a tremendous job. They were, they were gentlemen and ladies and, and conducted themselves in a... Get rid of that head. <laughs> Come up here. Come up here real quick. I looked up. They, they did this without my knowledge. I didn't know what was going on. I look up, and all of a sudden, I see a head popping up out of the crowd. Come on up here. Look what they did to me. I think this is like, did you shake? Did, how did you do that? Okay, I didn't know. This is what I saw at the beginning. You see that? 
This is what I saw. I'm turning, I, I turn around, literally somebody in the crowd, they're waving this thing around and somebody goes, oh, I know you, you're that guy. <laughs> and then by the end, this is what showed up at the end of the conference. And that's exactly how I felt at the end of the conference. I felt like I'd been, well, you put glasses on me, girl. Okay. Give them a big hand. They were, they were great. We had, we had a great time and they, they did a great job. I was so proud of them and their uh, focus on God. I'm, I'm, let me just tell you, sometimes people say, well, what's the vision of the house? Well, the vision of the house has got to be the vision of, it's got to be my vision. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. It's just I'm your pastor. And you have to understand what my vision is. For the time, it, it didn't change when I, when I, from when I was evangelized and when I started pastoring. It's never changed. My vision has always been empowering lives and seeing them become their very best for Christ. I believe everybody's got a gift and a calling in them. And as your pastor, I want to try and pull that gift and calling out of you and see you exercise in it and move toward that. Because this isn't about me, folks. This is all about what God wants to do in you. Everybody say, I got a gift. Let me hear it again. I got a gift. George, amen. Amen. <laughs> George, George has got a gift. He really does. And a lot of times, you know, I, I pick on George a little bit, but he's my buddy. And so he's, when he yells amen, you don't realize that, that that really is part of his gift. Because when, when I, do you understand when a preacher hears amen? I'm a what? Oh, she said, it's like saying sick him to a dog. I thought she said I was a dog. No, <laughs> it, it makes all the difference. And so I, I, I appreciate George's gift. I appreciate your gifts. And I want to see them activated. I, I, I saw gifts of a lot of uh, Danny and his wife, Shauna, and was there. And what did I say? That's not my gift. <laughs> okay, da David and his wife, Shauna, Michelle was there. Gerald was there. Who else was there, man? I, I, I mean, but every, all, all of the adults that did a great job. And so we're excited. Everybody say excited. So August 1st to the 14th, say it with me. Thank you. Prayer and sacrifice. How many of you are going to join in with us? Just wave your hand. I, I'm, I'm letting you choose what the sacrifice is, what your prayers, but I just want the house to come together and be unified in prayer. Amen? Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to John 10 and 10. I won't keep you long this morning. Maybe. John 10 and 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. 
There's something I want you to get out of this verse of Scripture. Is this verse of Scripture reveals two things. It reveals the nature of God and the nature of Satan. The nature of Satan is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now understand, this isn't Paul talking or Peter talking. This is Jesus talking. And nobody's closer to God than the one that became God manifest in flesh. He said he knows what Satan's up to, the thief. Everybody say a thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he said, I am come that you can have life and have it more abundantly. Let me show some things to you before we get into this. John 14 and 30, this is Jesus talking. He says, hereafter, I will not talk much with you. He's talking to his disciples. He said, I'll not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh. Everybody say, the prince of the world. He said, he cometh and he hath nothing in me. Who is the prince of the world? Satan. Now stay with me here. In John 12 and 31, Jesus again, now is, ju is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. I want you to remember that. The prince of this world shall be cast out. We're still talking about Satan's nature, his character. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he is a prince of this world. In Acts 3, 14 and 15, but ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. Prince of the world, still kill, destroy. Prince of life, he said, I am come that what? That you may have life and have it more abundantly. Let me explain something to you. That in the beginning, before man is ever made, before man is ever created, there is a battle that ensues in heaven. And it says that Satan is cast out. Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. God throws him out and he comes where? He's thrown into this world. He has domain of this world. He is the prince of this world. And then God does something that drives the devil nuts. God reaches down into the earth. He forms man in his image. He breathes his spirit into man, and man becomes a living soul. Now watch what he does with man. He takes man and places him in a place where the devil's supposed to be prince, and he tells man, now you take dominion. Oh, you didn't get it. 
Do you understand what he did? He said, I'm going to show you how powerful I am. You tried to exalt yourself above me. He throws him down. He's the prince of the world. Then he takes his hands and begins to form out of the dust of the earth, breathes into man, makes him in his image and says, now you take dominion. And the devil's about to blow a fuse, man. What are you doing? What are you doing? He's saying, I'm going to show you how powerful I am. I'm going to take man and show you that man, when I'm inside of man, is bigger than you are. Maybe that's where that scripture, the basis of that scripture, that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So he attacks creation. He's listening as God is addressing man and said, you can eat from every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, do not eat. Because in the day that you eat it, let me ask you a question because people always said, how come God didn't want them to have the tree of knowledge? Can I ask you a question? Is there, is, is there anything that you know that you wish you'd never found out? Do you understand what it would mean to be able to live a life that's free from any guilt? That's free from any shame? There are some things I wished I'd never known. And that's what God had tried to create for us. And he said, now, you don't eat from the tree of knowledge, good and evil, for in the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. And Satan seizes upon it because God's spoken a word. He goes after Eve as a serpent. And he's cunning. And he tells her, he said, didn't God tell you you can eat from every tree of the garden? She said, yes, except that one over there. She said, because the day we eat that tree, we'll, we'll surely die. And he said, you shall not surely die. It's amazing how just one word can change perception. You ever have anybody call you ugly? How one word can change your perception, but if you knew who you were, them calling you ugly wouldn't control you. See, we wrestle with not knowing who we are. They're the image of God. <laughs> what are you talking about, I'm ugly? I'm the best looking thing you ever saw. <laughs> I've been created in the image of God. I, I, are you kidding? Ugly? You, well, the problem with you is you just don't recognize true beauty. <laughs> don't let people manipulate you and, 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 and try and get you to feel a certain way about yourself. And that's what he does. He deceives her. She takes the tree. She bites the fruit. She eats it, gives it to Adam. And the devil's sitting back, cackling. It's over. It's over. Your relationship with God is over. 
They're hiding from God now instead of communing with God. They're running from God instead of running to God. But God's got a way of searching you out. God's got a way of we, even when you've messed up, he'll go looking for you even when you're trying to hide from him. You think he doesn't know what's going on? You think he doesn't already know? He goes looking for them, but what he wants them to recognize is you're never free until you're willing to confront what it is that's trying to destroy you. And in the moment you confront it, he can deal with it. And so he goes looking for them and he finds them hiding. And he said, well, what are you, Adam, what? What are you doing? He said, I hid because I'm naked. Who told you you were naked? Any of you ever have your children come back home from school one day and say a choice word you've never heard in your house before? Where did you hear that? Well, that's what my teacher said. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's <laughs> my, my brother went he'd been in one school they transferred first day he came home from that school he had a new vocabulary he was saying words that they never heard him say before and they hoped they never hear him say again because he'd been influenced by the wrong crowd that's what the devil does is he tries to influence you. He tries to deceive you. And so they've eaten from the tree and God's caught them. He's, you understand, God didn't expose him. The devil didn't. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. He stole their innocence. He killed their relationship as they'd known it with God, and they, he was trying to destroy them all together. And he thinks it's over. They're going to die, but when God steps up, God goes, it's not over until it's over. I know why you did this, but I'm getting ready to do something. Do you understand that when the devil tries to take you out, God is never at a loss for what to do. And he immediately looked at them and he said, okay, Eve, you're going to have pain in childbirth. Adam, you're, not, you're going to have to work from the sweat of your brow. You're going to deal with thorns and weeds. And, and, and as for you, Satan, as for you, serpent, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and the man's seed. You're going to bite his heel, but he is going to bruise your head because it's not over until it's over. And so the stage was set that God would bring a man into the earth that would restore what Adam had lost. And as time went by, different men showed up. Surely this is Samson with a jawbone. He destroys and he conquers, but he finds his head in the lap of Delilah with Satan one more time saying it's over, only to have God show up in his last hour and give him more 
more strength than he'd ever had in his entire life because it's not over until it's over. Years go by. Hope seems to be lost. 400 years of silence would ensue. But a prophet by the name of Isaiah had spoken a word and said that a virgin shall give birth to a son. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The government will rest on his shoulders. And Satan is trying to seek him out to destroy him. He doesn't want him to come. And all of a sudden, after 400 years of silence, a star lights up a sky. Wise men make their way into Jerusalem. And Satan makes his way into Herod. And the wise men say, where is he that's born king of the Jews? Because we've seen a star in the east and we've come to worship him. Herod reaches for them. Satan manipulating him like a puppet on a string. You go and find him. And when you find him, you bring me back word so I can worship him. He wasn't interested in worshiping him. He wanted to murder him any more than the devil cares anything about helping you out or giving or trying to be a blessing in your life. He wants to destroy your life. Don't fall for the devil's devices. They go and they find him and they're warned by God not to go back and When they don't go back, Herod goes crazy. He'd ask them about the time that the star appeared. So according to that time frame, he sent soldiers all through Bethlehem, and they are killing every baby from two years old and under. And he's going, it's over. This man will not live. This child will not accomplish his destiny. He will not fulfill his purpose. It's the same thing that he speaks to you. You're not going to fulfill your purpose. You're not going to complete your destiny. You'll never live to do it. I've got news for you. There's a God in heaven that doesn't just have your back he's got your front there's a God in heaven that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think and after the last drop of blood had spilled and Satan's laughing saying it's over all of a sudden there's someone that walks into a wilderness and Satan's going what's up with this who who is that because it's not over until it's over I wonder what he thought when John said, behold, the Lamb of God. I I thought I took care of the Lamb of God. You just can't keep a good man down. (laughs) He goes into the wilderness and the devil goes after him. He finds him in a weakened condition. He fasted for 40 days. The devil will always go after you when he finds you at your weakest point. And after 40 days of fasting, he shows up and he said, if you're who you say you are, if you're the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Jesus looks at him and said, bread not, or man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What's going on? The devil is trying to trip Jesus up the way he tripped Adam up. 
Because he knows if he can get Jesus to violate the terms, then the contract is null and void. Look what Jesus says. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. What did he say? If you're the son of God, then why doesn't he act as the son of God? Because if he does, he violates the term of the contract. For by one man, all were caused to sin. And by one man, all would be restored in a right relationship with God. He's saying, I'm not going to tap in to my divinity. Because if I, if I deal with you as the son of God, then all those that come after me feel like they have no hope because they say, I'm not, I'm not the son. What, what am I supposed to do? I mean, that was Jesus. But Jesus looked at him and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What's he doing? He said, I'm not going to defeat you as the son of God. I'm going to defeat you as a man. So all all men can know that they are victorious. He's made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And so Satan loses that battle. He thought it would be over, but it's not over until it's over. Different junctures in Christ's life, he has every opportunity to violate the terms. When Peter comes running to him and said, these things won't happen to you, why do you think he looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan? It's because he knows what's going on. The devil's trying to get him to violate the terms. Who wouldn't want somebody to say, you don't have to die, you can live? But Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't want to die. But he knew, I've got to fulfill the terms of this contract or, or people will have no hope. And, and so he continues on and he, he, he knows who he is, but he humbles himself and he becomes, the scripture said, obedient even to the death of the cross. Finally, Satan takes hold of one of his inner circle, a man by the name of Judas. I have him now. The deal is made. 30 pieces of silver. The trap is set. And they come to arrest him in the garden. A band of soldiers. He's outnumbered. He's outstrength they've outmaneuvered him but they haven't been able to grab his authority and they look at him and they he said who are you looking for Jesus of Nazareth Amen. 12 disciple 11 disciples are quaking they're shaking they're thinking man it's over it's over until Jesus looks at him and says, I am he. And he lays those men on the ground. And the same voice that laid them on the ground could have put them under the ground. And he's letting them know it's not over till it's over, friend. They take him from that place. Do you understand that the only reason that they arrested him is because he let them? It's because he let him. 
Let me see if I can demonstrate that. He, he led them. Can I borrow you a second? If you would just take my hand and drag me over there. Just drag me. Man, this boy's strong. How in the world did he drag me all the way over here? It's because I let you. See, now try and drag me over there. See, if I don't want to go, I'm not going. <laughs> go ahead, just take me over there. Whenever you're ready, just go ahead. That's, uh, that's, yeah, just pull me over there where your mom's at. Do you understand? Thank you. Give him a big hand. Do you understand what's going on? The devil's rejoicing and he thinks he's got him. He doesn't realize it's only because he's letting him. And so when they come to him and they rip the flesh off of his back with a Roman whip and they're going, it's over. He's saying, by my stripes, you are healed. When they take a crown of thorns and beat it down on his head and they rip spikes through his hands and his feet and they cry, they hear him cry out, it is finished. They put a spear through his side. The sun turned dark and the earth shakes. They take a limp body off of the cross that's beaten and mangled and place it in a tomb and put a large stone in front of it to seal the entrance. And Satan is saying, it's over. Everybody say, he thinks it's over. Pull my lights down up here. Hell is having a party. And all of a sudden they start to hear something. What, what is that? Hey, you did it, boss. You showed him who was, who was, who was king. You showed him who was the prince. You, you, really, you really did it. I, yeah, we're, we're in control now. <laughs> we're, we're, we're. Do you hear that? Listen, listen carefully. What is that? Where's that coming from? I hear it again. It's, it's not going away. It, it seems to be getting louder. And so an imp is sent to look out the peephole of the gate of hell. And when he looks out, he sees someone on the other side that's holding some keys. He goes back in, he said, boss, we got some trouble. 
What do you mean we got trouble? There's somebody standing outside the gate trying to get in. Nobody can get in my domain. Muhammad's tried it, it didn't work. Buddha's tried it, it didn't work. Krishna's tried it, it didn't work. This isn't Muhammad, Buddha, or Krishna. This is the Son of God. And then all of a sudden, man, all of a sudden, when they feel like everything's over and it's about ready to end, everybody say it's about ready to end. Don't you know how shook up they are? Don't you know that they're about to have a nervous breakdown when all of a sudden the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords invades hell's domain. And he stands up holding the keys and he said, I want you to count them. I got one, two, three. I got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And it's not over until I say it's over. And for you, Satan, it's over now. So let me ask you a question. Have you bought into the lie that it's over? Have you let the devil tell you that there's no reason to try? Have you let him whisper into your ear, you're never going to be anything. Your days are numbered. It's over for you. He's just telling you what he is, a liar. So when he, whatever he's saying to you, it's the truth to him because all he knows is a lie. He's a liar. The prince of this world, a world that God told me to take dominion in, a world that God told me to be fruitful and multiply in, a world that Jesus paid a price for to put me back in relationship with God again. You see, friend, it's not over until he says it's over. Would you stand with me today? I'm going to ask the prayer team if they would to come to the front today. I don't know what you're facing, but I can tell you this. You don't have to face it alone, and if you are facing it alone, it's because you've chosen to. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll go with you to the end of the world. It's not over until it's over. Sometimes we want to throw in the towel before the bell rings. We walk away before he shows up. Well, he's late. No, no, no. He may not come when you want him, but he's right on time. He's right on time. Don't ever take it by what it looks like to you or 
what it seems like to you because God's bigger than your problems if you give him your problems now let me tell you something about God he's not going to wrestle you for your problem if you want it you can have it and some of you are pretty good in wrestling matches some of you have managed to hold on to your problem in spite of the fact that God had them from you you went back and took them back you know I, I learned something at motion this past week about phantom feelings I don't remember what they called them but I'm gonna call them phantom feelings do you ever have a feel like your phone went off in your pocket does that happen to anybody you, you felt like all of a sudden you know it's like on vibration and you feel like a vibration in your pocket and, and you reach down there and you don't even have your phone there they said that what happens is that you've become so accustomed to your brains become so accustomed to you searching the phone and looking through the phone that it begins to need a fix Facebook in five minutes and so what it does is the brain tries to lie to your body and it sends a message that your phone's going off so you'll go get your phone and start looking I never realized how close Satan and my apple were connected what's on the picture of your iPhone when it comes on what picture shows up when you start your an apple with a bite out of it Now, they didn't say that at the conference. I'm telling you that now. That's how closely connected they are. Because what God meant for good, the devil tries to turn to evil. It's a tree of good and evil. And these phantom feelings come over you I can't make it. I can't do it. You get an anxiety attack. What am I going to do? What am, what am I going to do? What? You think it's How many of you have done that? You don't have to raise your hand, but you know who you are. You're going... And it may not be an outward, that's what's happening inside. It's that phantom emotion that's trying to get you into a panic to make you feel like you can't do it, you can't make it, you're not. Do you know what he said? Do you know what Jesus said? He looked at it all and he said, hey, you rejoice. I've overcome the world. Who's the prince of the world? Satan. He said, you can rejoice because I have overcome the world. It's over for him. All I need you to do is trust me now. All I need you to do is bring it to me now. All I need you to do is cast your care on him. For he careth for you. 
So this is what I want you to do. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I don't want you to come, you know, I, th- this stuff about, well, let me think about it. I don't know. If you're up to here with it and you're saying, I'm ready for my victory. I'm ready for my breakthrough. My finances belong to God. It's time for the devil to get his hands off of them in Jesus' name. My family belongs to God. It's time for the devil to get his hands off in Jesus' Don't you dare start whimpering around over your family. You cannot stand in a place of compassion. You've got to stand in a place of authority and say, it is over. You're not doing it anymore. You're not, you're not manipulating or destroying anymore. And it starts where? Right here. Right here. How in the world are you ever going to believe me if I'm telling you how good shrimp is and I've never even eaten it myself? I'm just going by what I heard somebody say. It's like, folks, you know, we get on the perimeters of God's presence and God's spirit. Come on up, come on up, come on up. We get on the perimeter of God's presence and God's spirit. My brother used to get happy, man. He'd dance all over the church. I looked at him, I made fun of him. Boy, you really know how to cut a rug. I was just a kid, I didn't know any better. One of these days that's gonna happen to you. No, (laughs) not me. Give me a hanky, let me blow my nose. Until one night, see, I, I didn't realize God was listening in on that conversation. <laughs> one night I felt something start to get in my feet and I was going, no feet, no. And God was going, go feet, go. My brother grabbed hold of my feet. Start, now, think about this, man, in the middle of a service, I'm up front praying. My brother, he doesn't lay a hand on my head. He grabbed my feet, started praying for my feet. You ever try and catch your feet? I started dancing across one side of that stage and I'm trying to stop it and then turn around and start going to the other side. We are so concerned about what somebody's going to think or what somebody's going to say that we miss out on what God has for us and the person you're worried about longs for what you're trying to shut down. They don't want a cute church service. They don't need three points and a pamphlet. They need the power of God to show up in their life and break some chains for them. You, my friend, are the ones that are going to make it happen. Because today, your chains come off. Today, they break for you. Are you ready for it? Give me, give me some of that. He has no rival. He has no equal. They started singing that song. I thought I was going to get happy. I may get happy yet. This is what I want you to do. Look, this doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out process. And before some of you start saying, oh my goodness, he kept us in church. You only come here once a week, folks. If I decide to keep you here till till 2 o'clock, you ought to go out of here rejoicing and thanking God for it. Look, we just need to let God be God. How about that? So everywhere in this house, for those that are up here, I want prayer partners, come on. Don't wait for somebody to go to. You go find somebody. I mean, not out in the audience, but just. Now look, 
There's a couple things you need to know. Come here. Two things you need to go. No, God is bigger than you are. He's bigger than your problem is. And he's got a great plan for your life. So let me let you into a little secret. Don't screw it up. Say, what are you talking about? Listen to what he tells you. Those little nudges you feel that I call, I, I call them heavenly nudges. It's like direction. It's like saying, no, don't go there. Don't do that. And, 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 and you feel it and it shows up. And sometimes we try and suppress that because we want to do something. Or we, and, and God's saying, no, I've got, I have got a plan for you. Don't mess this up. But here's some good news. Adam and Eve messed it up but he redeemed it back. Aren't you glad that he's a God genie of a second chance, of a third chance? Come on, stretch those hands to heaven with me right now. Say, start singing this song. Everybody in this building, come on, raise your hands, start praying for somebody. Prayer partners, start praying for somebody. Father, I you think- have no right. You have no ego. I thank you, Father. Now something for me 
because sometimes you don't have prayer partners in front of you that can pray for you. Sometimes you call and the phone's busy or nobody's there. Do you understand it's not the prayer partner. <laughs> His name is Jesus. He's available 24-7, 365 days a year. So this is what I want us to do at the close of this service, and this may seem a little strange to you. But years ago when Wigglesworth was in a meeting and he'd laid hands on people and God would do miracles through Wigglesworth and, and, and he was in a city and the city officials came to him and they told him, you can't touch anybody. And he was trying to figure out, well, God, how am I going to do this? And so this is what he did. He got up in that crowd and he told them, folks, he said, whatever your need is, wherever you're sick in body, what's ever hurting on you, I want you to lay your hand there right now and we're going to pray you know what people discovered that day that Jesus had been with them all along so this is what I want you to do today right where you're at wherever you're at I want if, if you've got if you've got a sickness if you're wrestling with something I want you to touch that part of your body if, if it's if it's I mean if it's your arm touch your arm if it's your leg if, if you don't know where it's at but you're just hurting touch your heart if it's a battle in your mind, then do this. The Bible said not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. People thought I flipped out when I got saved. I'd gone to church, man, and I'd done... But I remember, and I told Debbie this, I, we were in that meeting, and I, I turned around, I looked at her, and the Lord came to me in that place. And this is what I heard. Do you remember when? When you first went after me. I didn't care what anybody thought. I was as bold as a lion. You think I'm bold now? You should have seen me then. And I'm just going to tell you and forewarn you, I prayed God give that back to me. I only get one life. When I end it, I want him to be able to look at me and say, you gave it your all. Amen. And so come on in and I'm going to give you my all. Are you ready? Right where you're at, right where you're at, just touch your body. I saw Nina go like this up here and she was, and, and just, so that's all right. You can just do this, just do this and say, God, all of me, all of me, all of me. Come on, say it with me, all of me, God, all of me, God. They used to sing that song, I surrender all. I surrender all and while they were singing it everybody was looking around to see who I'm going to share a secret with you and we're going to pray I learned this that if I would not focus on others and just focus on my relationship with God that then God would use my relationship to touch others 
But as long as I was focused on others, it was a distractor. It was the devil. It was him. It was him manipulating and, and him, you know, and, and so, you know, he, it, and, it, and sometimes it seems so right. Sometimes it's like, well, you know, God, to just touch them and, and, and cause them to, and God's saying, no, 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 get here. Everybody say it here. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, your biggest problem. <laughs> you know it's the truth. Are you ready? So stretch those hands in heaven. Father, we come to you today in earnest hearts, saying all of me, all of me, God. We thank you, Father. Debbie and I thank you for placing us here with people that we've come to love in a way that we never thought possible. Thank you for what you're doing and I thank you, God, for what's ahead, all of me. You're going to use this church to empower people. They're going to come to know who they are through voices from this body. It's like a great mission field, and they're going out and pouring themselves out and coming in to fill up so they can go out again. All of me, all of me, my mind, my will, my emotions, my body, all of me belongs to you. And we surrender it right now in Jesus' name. Come on and sing. You have no rival sin. Yes. You have no equal. somebody back to the house of God next week. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.